0: beneath barbed wire while tracer bullets scorched the air about me of course we didn't have any real enemies in my hometown of witte not when i was very small so we made enemies out of each other we kids used our klompen to fight with any boy who got himself hit with a wooden shoe just hadn't reached his own fast enough i remember the day i broke a shoe over my enemy friend keese's head what horrified us both wasn't the enormous bump on his forehead "'but the ruined shoe. "'Keese and I forgot our war long enough to try repairing it. "'But this is a skill gained only with time, "'and that night my hard-working blacksmith father had to turn cobbler as well. "'Already that day Papa had got up at five to water and weed the garden "'that helped to feed his six children. "'Then he had pedalled four miles on his bicycle to his smithing job in Alkmaar, and now he had to spend the evening gouging a little trough across the top of the wooden shoe, pulling a wire through the trough, nailing the wire down on both sides, and repeating the process at the heel so that I could have some shoes to wear to school. "'Andrew, you must be more careful,' said my father in his loud voice. Papa was deaf and shouted rather than spoke. I understood him perfectly. He didn't mean careful of bones and blood, but of hard-earned possessions. There was one family in particular that acted as the enemy in many of my boyish fantasies. This was the family Huetztra. Why I should have picked on the Huetztras, I do not know, except that they were the first in our village to begin talking about the war with Germany, and this was not a popular subject in Witte. Also they were strongly evangelical Christians. Their God bless you's and Lord Willings seemed sickeningly tame to a secret agent of my stature. So in my mind they were the enemy. I remember once passing Mrs. Wetstra's kitchen window just as she was putting cookies into the oven of her wood-burning stove. Leaning against the front of the house was a new pane of window glass, and it gave me an idea. Here would be my chance to see if the ever-smiling Wetstra's could get as mad as other Dutchmen. I picked up the piece of glass and moved ever so stealthily through the lines to the back of enemy headquarters. The whetstras, like everyone in the village, had a ladder leading to their thatched roof. Off came my clompen and up I went. Silently I placed the pane of glass on the chimney. Then I crept back down the ladder and across the street, to post myself out of sight behind a fish-peddler's cart. Sure enough, the smoke backed down the chimney. It filled the kitchen and began to curl out the open window. Mrs. Whetstra ran into her kitchen with a scream, jerked open the oven door, and fanned the smoke with her apron. Mr. Whetstra raced outside and looked up at his chimney. If I had expected a stream of rich Dutch prose, I was disappointed, but the expression on his face as he climbed the ladder was entirely of this earth, and I chalked up for myself a tremendous victory against overwhelming odds. Another favourite enemy was my older brother Ben. Typical of older brothers, Ben was a master swapper. His corner of our common loft bedroom above the main floor of our house was splendid with things that had once belonged to me or the other children. Somehow we could never recall what we had received in exchange. His chief treasure was a piggy bank that had once been our sister Marcia's. In it Ben kept the pennies that he earned doing errands for the burgomaster or tending garden for Miss Meikle, our schoolmistress. Events in Germany were now in the news more than ever, and in my fantasies Ben became an enormously wealthy German munitions-maker. One day, while he was out earning more pennies, I took his bank down from its shelf, slid a knife into the opening, and turned the pig upside down. After about fifteen minutes of narrow escapes from the brown-shirted guards patrolling his estate, I had collected nearly a guilder from the enemy. That part was easy. Much harder was the question of what to do with my spoils, a gilda was worth twenty-five cents, a fortune for a child in our little town. To have arrived in the sweet-shop with that much money would certainly have caused questions. I had it. What if I said I had found it? The next day at school I went up to the teacher and held out my hand. Look what I found, Miss Meekle. Miss Meikle blew her breath out slowly. My, Andrew, what a lot of money for a little boy. Can I keep it? You don't know who it belongs to? even under torture they would never wring the truth from me no ma'am i found it in the street then you must take it to the police andy they will tell you what to do the police here was something i hadn't counted on that afternoon in